This is Talking Small Business with Kat Schmoyer and Megan Martin, a podcast for creatives who like to keep it real about what it actually takes to grow an online business. We're competitors turned biz besties who chat daily, and now we're bringing you into the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Small Business. Today, we're talking about yet another semi-controversial conversation, (laughs) but I'm actually excited about this. You guys, when we say these are like bringing our Vox conversations to life, we literally mean that. This is a conversation that we have had ourselves in Vox, and it's a little nerve-wracking to bring these personal conversations out to you, but we think it's important to bring these out from under the table because we're sure you may be thinking about some of these similar things. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the concept of, are you really an expert with the lens of what is being shared from some educators out in the world that say you can be considered an expert as long as you have about 10% more knowledge than somebody behind you. And so we're going to compare and contrast today what we like about that concept of the 10% rule um, versus contrasting like what we really don't like about that rule and how it really might be a disservice to other people that you're trying to sell to. So Kat, tell like, can you just explain for our listeners, what do we mean by the 10% rule? Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to start like negatively. I was like, please, Megan, like, let's like start with me on the positive one. Let's be a positive Polly. Um, cause there is something refreshing about this rule. So, okay. 10% rule. And Megan just touched on it briefly, but we have heard several conversations over the last, I feel like few years in our industry that you can call yourself an expert. If you feel like, you know, more than 10% of the person by you or the people around you. So meaning that, you know, if you feel like you're 10% further along in your journey, or you know, 10% more than somebody else on wedding planning, on digital products, on email marketing, then you can turn around and help other people within that. We're literally starting to laugh at each other because it's like a little bit nerve wracking to share this with you guys. So here's, okay, we're going to, we're going to keep it real. These are candid conversations. So these are our real thoughts. And we hope by this point, you've listened to several episodes and this podcast and you know our heart really is for community and for education and for wanting to help and wanting to see your businesses thrive. So on a positive side, when we see or hear about that 10% rule, I'm going to give like my positive interpretation of that. Yes, let's help the people behind us. Let's always want to like extend that hand back and help other people get where we are and learn from trial and error mistakes. So if you feel like, Hey, been there, done that, let me turn around and help somebody else. Please do that. Like genuinely do that. We are all about community over competition. And I want to see an industry that is willing, always willing to help and serve those around us. Would you like, I'm, you're not in your head, Megan. So I know you're agreeing, but I want them to like hear you agreeing with that and like your thought process on the positive side to the 10% rule. Yeah, I definitely agree. I love the concept of if you've been there, if you've done that, turn around, help somebody else bring them up with you. I think that's such a valuable piece of advice here. I think um, when it comes to the 10% rule, I think on the positive side, it's supposed to give people 
the freedom of a permission slip is what I think it's supposed to do. And so I think along with what you're saying, a lot of this is talking about becoming an educator. So let's clarify here, right? So a lot of people, when they start to become good at something, it's natural that people start to ask you questions about what you're good at, or how did you do that? Or, you know, whatever, they start to just get curious and they are wanting, they'll naturally start to reach out for help, right? Um, but a lot of people, when they start to enter this education role, whether that's on purpose or on accident, imposter syndrome always, I've never met anyone who didn't feel imposter syndrome when it came to stepping into the role of educator, right? And I think the 10% rule was created to say, hey, you don't have to have 20 years experience in a PhD in order to help somebody. But, you know, as long as you know a little bit more than the person behind you, you can help them. And I think that's true. I loved what you said, turn around and help somebody. Um, and so I would not argue against that. I think where I start to feel friction in this conversation is when we start to sell things and not even just sell, like, I don't think there's something wrong with selling what you know, but I do think it's in the messaging too of how you're selling that thing. So when you actually put the word, I am an expert on something and say, I've only been doing it for six months, that's where I think that the, the positive starts to turn a little bit negative here. Um, and can you really call yourself an expert if you did it once for yourself and it succeeded? Or can you really call yourself an expert if you've only doing been doing this thing in your business or thing in your life for a few months? I don't know the answer to that. Right. No, I completely agree. Like th this is the Vox conversation to life. Like I agree with you. I, I think this is where it does start to get sticky and it does start to get messy. And some of this, I think, comes down to like personal convictions and, and you looking at like you as the educator, you know, like looking at what you've quote unquote accomplished, like what you've done and deciding like, okay, do I feel like I have enough in my own business toolkit, whether that's in the own education that like you've consumed or the trial and error experiences that like you've walked through as a business owner, but looking at all of that, weighing the pros and cons of that and saying like, all right, do I feel like I have enough in my toolkit to say that I'm the expert in whatever it is. And it genuinely can only come from you. I think what Megan and I both feel is that that, sh that conversation should be heavier in your mind before mm -hmm. we put out the term expert on something, if yeah. we've only done it once in our business, or if we've only been doing it for a few months. Um, it's not to say that we believe in perfection. Um, right. And it's not to say that um, either of us do do what we consider ourselves to be the experts in perfectly. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that word is just a heavy word. And, yeah. and we're seeing it thrown around in a lot of Instagram bios or on people's website, like just all over the place. And, and do we really consider ourselves to be an expert? I, I think there's nothing wrong with being an educator and owning even the fact that you aren't the expert. So for example, mm. creative at heart, we just did an episode about, you know, round 10 and I did a breakout session and creative at heart. And I, that breakout session was about email marketing and specifically selling through email marketing. Now I have an email list. I sell through that email list consistently. That's how I make my money. 
But I even opened up that breakout session by saying, Hey, I'm here. I'm going to show you my experience, but I want to let you know, I do not consider myself the email marketing expert and I'm 10 years in business and, you know, six years into doing digital products. And I still don't consider myself the email marketing expert. I know enough about email marketing to help somebody behind me, but I don't, I haven't been studying email marketing for years. I haven't been solely focused on testing different email marketing strategies and tactics and bettering my email, you know, strategy and my business. I just know what works and what I've done. So I think that there's power in helping somebody, but even being upfront and honest when you really aren't the expert. And I think still people, nobody left that session feeling like they didn't get an hour's worth of great information. People were like continuing to come up and ask me questions after the session. And then days after the session, I'm still getting questions. Um, and so I just think we should allow ourselves the grace of saying we can help somebody without claiming to be an expert in something. I love that. I, and I feel like that comes down to like defining our terms more appropriately and the terms that we're utilizing in our businesses. And so in this conversation, it's the term of expert versus educator and saying like, when we say expert, and this goes back to the finding your niche conversation that we had, like in my opinion, and I'd love to hear like how you process this, Megan, but in my opinion, when we say expert, that's niching, that's like super niche into like, this is my expertise. And so if you, to use that example, Megan, if you were to say, I am an expert in email marketing, then you are hopefully leveraging a lot of your business on email marketing and not just leveraging your business, but like you have learned a lot. You're yeah. constantly trying to grow in the area of email marketing and learn and then replicating that, not just for yourself, but for other people, because just yeah. because you can do it doesn't mean that like you're the expert for other people. So yeah. to me, expert is like niche. Whereas an educator is like, Hey, yeah, I'm good at this. And I've done this for my own business. I've helped, you know, maybe a handful of people or maybe several hundred, if you have courses or, you know, whatever you are an educator. And so for you, Megan, you're an educator of digital products. Mm -hmm. Therefore email marketing is a part of that, but you wouldn't consider yourself an email marketing expert. Would you like agree or disagree with how I'm like processing that? I do agree, but I also do think that the niche conversation is similar to what I just said. I think that you can niche down without claiming yourself as an expert in that niche, right? Um, when you first niche down, you probably aren't going to be a specific expert in that one thing, right? The more experience you get, the more you learn, like you said, you're going to become more of an expert over time. So for example, again, I help people create and sell digital products. My business is 100% running on digital products. I don't do other services. Like very, very rarely do I take a client anymore for website design. Um, so if so facto I've niched and you could call me a digital product expert, but I still don't even call myself the expert, right? There are people that are much further along in their journey of creating and selling digital products. And so I would never put myself on that level. And it's not like me trying to be humble brag or whatever. It's just the truth. But again, I think it comes back to the conversation that we had in finding your niche, that it's about repelling and attracting, right? So I'm, if you look at my website on my about page, I call myself the in the middle guy. I haven't walked the two comma club, meaning I haven't made a million dollars selling digital products with, you know, click funnels or whatever the two comma club is with, I would consider that person an expert in 
this world, right? If you've made a million dollars, you're literally a millionaire selling what you sell. You're probably an expert in some way, shape or form. I haven't walked the two comma club, but I'm proud of the fact that I have built a six figure business that literally takes care of my entire family's income. I'm an expert in my own way, but I'm not going to claim to be the expert in digital products, if that makes sense. And I'm willing to be open and honest with my customer to say, Hey, like I'm the person that teaches digital products through the lens of enough. I'm the person who's going to say, you don't have to, you know, chase millions if that's not in your vision. So maybe I'm an expert in my own little way. Um, but I, again, I think it comes back to, we need to be a little bit more open and a little bit more honest about where we are at in our journey and what we have accomplished and allow the people who are potentially purchasing from us decide, is that the kind of vision that I also want? If not, you're not the person for me. Absolutely. And I, I, I feel like for both of us, I mean, because we've been in business for as many years as we have, we're a little jaded, mm-hmm. right? Like, let, let's just, yeah, let's be are. real. Like, we're a little <laughs> jaded. <laughs> like, we've invested in certain things by an expert and then been like, hmm, wow, I, I, I felt like we were on similar levels, but I thought that would be an expert. Like, and I'm not, that's not trying to say that because I'm so smart or because Megan's so smart, but like, I feel like if you're listening to this, maybe you can resonate. Like maybe you're nodding your head and you're thinking about your last investment or a past investment in education and it falling a little bit flat. And so for us, I think it just comes down to like, again, going back to like defining that term and saying like, Hey, we don't have to slap expert on everything Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden charge more. Um, maybe we actually just need to be a little bit more genuine in that brand messaging of sharing like what we know and what we don't know so that yes, we can hold out a hand and we can help those people behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can do it in a way that like feels very truthful to like who we are and, and how we are in our businesses. Yeah. And granted, if you have studied something for years, you have a proven track record, you've actually seen results yourself, and maybe potentially you've helped other people see results in some way, shape, or form, go ahead, own that you're an expert. You know, like I feel even funny saying, hey, I help people create and sell digital products, but I'm not gonna call myself an expert. Like I do think in a way I am an expert, you know? Um, But if you, I, I think if you really are an expert, if you literally spent years in, in a topic or in a concept, learning and growing and experimenting and getting results, that should be a part of your messaging that you are an expert. I think where we are bringing this conversation to the table is like, we're seeing a lot of educators enter the market who have only been doing this, the thing that they claim to be an expert in for six months or a year, or maybe even two years. And we're just not convinced that you're actually an expert in that field yet to claim that title. And when you claim that title and people purchase from you, thinking that you really are the expert in your field, it could truly be a disservice for that person on the other side of the screen. And it doesn't mean that you as the educator or as the quote unquote expert are not doing good work. It doesn't mean that, you know, you don't know good strategies or good ways to help whoever it is that, you know, you're selling to, but, and I, I mean, I agree with Megan here. My, my opinion is so strongly that, you know, there needs to be 
more data behind that, right? There mm-hmm. needs to be like more trial and error or mm-hmm. d- determining like, hey, just because it worked for you, is it actually something that is going to work for other people? So mm-hmm. let's like to to try and make this even like a teaching point too, and not just yeah. like our soapbox of like 10% yeah. rule. Um, what, like Megan, what are some ways that if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I'm just a few years into business or I've yeah. only been doing this for like a short amount of time, but people are starting to ask, you know, how do you yeah. do this? Or I am starting to think about pivoting into educating in this way, like what are some things that we could offer in, in like words of advice to either think about before starting to call yourself an expert or an educator? Like how, how would we navigate that? I think the first thing, which we've already touched on is to be super open and authentic in your messaging. So if you're going to say, Hey, let's use the email marketing expert. If you're going to say, Hey, I teach email marketing fine. Even if you've only been doing it for a year and you want to teach on that, I am not knocking that. I think we can all find a space to help each other. We started this episode on that track, right? But I think in your messaging, you can be really honest about it. And you can say, you know, right now we're in 2021. So you can say, you know, back in 2020, I started my email list. Boom. That's super honest. That gives me the knowledge to say, okay, as a consumer, this person started her email list in 2020. And then I want to be able to see what happened next as a result of that. So I started my email list in 2020 and, you know, I got X amount of subscribers by this amount of time, or maybe you say I was able to start converting this amount of customers on my service from my opt-in um, quickly, you know, but if you start to give me some data, even if you don't have years of data, but give me some sort of data that allows me as a consumer to make a decision. Do I want to invest in somebody who's only been doing this for a short amount of time? And I, I don't want you to get discouraged here because I do believe that you can put out any sort of product or service or offer if you've been not been doing it forever, but you do need to be upfront and let your consumer make the decision if that's the person that they want to invest in. Um, so I, I just think at the end of the day, like the number one strategy to focus on is honesty and transparency. Absolutely. And not feeling like it's like sleazy marketing tactics, you know, like just being upfront and knowing that in that honesty, like, I mean, gosh, you're going to get the clients that really want to work with you and that are already looking at you and seeing that. Like, I feel like that's how it started with my integration and like starting to offer that. Like I was flat out blunt to the first person that came my way and said, I, I don't know if I can do this for you. I think I can, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So like, let me try. And I did. So I think just being open and not feeling like that already sets you up as, you know, a failure or as like, Oh, that's already like strike one for me. Like I'm, I'm admitting that I'm new to this, or I'm admitting that I've never done this for a client before. Like, I actually think that gives a little bit more of a permission slip and like a weight off of your shoulders of saying, Hey, I have done this. I see that it's working, but I just started in 2020 or I'm, you know, you would be my first client at this level or whatever, you know, whatever that disclaimer needs to be honesty and transparency, like first and foremost, for sure. Yeah. And to, to bring it back to more encouraging over discouraging thinking through like people really do buy from people. They don't buy products and services. They buy people. I mean, that sounds weird, but it's true. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's why you turn to one educator for Instagram knowledge over a different educator who sells the same exact product, right? You pick the person you like better. 
the person that you resonate with more. And so I think whether you've done something for years or just a few months, feel encouraged that the consumer that's going to purchase from you is going to purchase from you because they really resonate with you. And the more that you choose to be open and transparent and honest about your experience level and your knowledge level, the more that they are going to feel connected with you and that you aren't like trying to trick them in some sort of way. Absolutely. So to bring it back then to even like our initial question of like, or just conversation around like the 10% rule, I would love your opinion. And I, I'm, I'm, I think I know, I'm not sure. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to see what you say. So I know we talked about like the pros of the 10% rule in in the, um, realm of community, right. And, and not wanting to feel like we're like, you know, in the hunger games with other businesses. Like we do want to, we are supportive. Goodness, we're competitors. Like we are so supportive of other business owners, but would you say that you agree or disagree with, if you know, 10% more than the person behind you, you should call yourself an expert. I do not agree at all. I really don't. I do not think that you should call yourself an expert if you only know 10% more. And that number is so like arbitrary. So obviously nobody knows what that actually means. Right. But (laughs) you know, again, it's like we keep using the, the time period example of doing something for a few months, six months, maybe a year. Like I'm not convinced that you're the expert, um, own it honestly and transparent in a, in a transparent way. But I think a practical way to decide, am I an expert in something is this, this is, and Kat, you can add to this if you have any thoughts, but I would say if you're unsure, if I'm an expert in a topic, I want you to think critically. If you were to sit down and create a piece of content about whatever topic you're claiming to be an expert in, can you do that? Just sitting down and writing like, or talking in a video or whatever it takes. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with research. We're going to pull quote. I pull quotes all the time for, with research. I pull statistics from research all the time, but if you need to sit down, if you were asked to sit down and and create a piece of content around the topic of your expertise, and you have to physically go look at somebody else's article that is written about this or somebody else's video that has been shared uh, in and around this topic in order to create your own piece of content, that probably means that you are not an expert. And again, I don't want to discourage you. It's okay. If you're not an expert, you can learn, do that research, go out, learn from people who have gone before you and who know more than you, but be honest about that. Be honest that you are not the person who made this content up, or you're not the person who, um, is able to like, on the fly, teach all of these different concepts, be honest in what you actually do know. If you've only been doing something for six months, say for six months, I've done X and it has produced Y result and say, that's what I'm the expert in very, very, very like key in, as opposed to trying to like own an entire field or industry, you know, I mean, do you have anything to add to that? Like, how can you determine if you are an expert or not? No, I, I think that's gold. Um, and it even, 
I was sitting here thinking about certain things in my business that I'm like, man, I need to just pull up like a blank Google doc and just see like, how much do I really know? Like what, like how, I think that's just good practice for anybody that considers themselves an educator, not even just an Mm -hmm. expert, but like just an educator in general. And then Mm -hmm. what are the things that you really feel like are your expertise Mm -hmm. within that? And again, Mm -hmm. I know that's like defining terms in there and all of that, but I think that's would be such a powerful exercise to challenge all of you listening to do. Um, I also think, and this goes into more of like expert, almost expert versus educator, right? Cause some of, and this is, I guess, within the lens of we're speaking to those of you who are saying that like you're trying to teach people how to do what you have done. Okay. So you should be able to teach that. So you should then have data and have success stories to back up. Like if you are the expert in email marketing, I know for me personally, I want to see that you've not only transformed your own business's email marketing, but other people's. So Mm -hmm. what you just wrote down on that Google doc, could you give it to somebody else? And they rinse and repeat some of those results. Like is Mm -hmm. what you're doing unique to just you, or is it something that really is teachable? And that's like, just, I feel like educator 101, like we need to know that we can do that before we're selling anything around the topic that we say we're the expert in. Well, and I think it it goes into a little bit of a different conversation that maybe we can have another podcast about, but um, the concept of it, it's okay to take time to develop something in your business. And I think we, uh, we live in a instant gratification world. And as business owners, especially when we're stepping into the education realm, like we immediately want to be, we want to immediately claim that title educator. We want to immediately start selling the, the products and the services and get on the stage and, and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Cause that's a, just a natural progression, but it's okay to take a little bit more time to actually do this as a service first or beta test your product before you call yourself the expert in whatever you're doing and let somebody else, like you said, if you wrote down on a Google doc, a, a concept or a topic, and you handed it over to somebody else and see what they say. Did they get a result? Did they see some sort of transformation as a result of what you know intrinsically? And if yes, yeah, go for it. Start teaching that, right? But when you are, you know, you when you are like in the mode of almost regurgitating information, it's really dangerous to start saying, hey, I'm the expert in this field. Um, Because now we're talking about selling things to other customers and that is not helping them. We taught, we started this episode with like, turn around and help the person behind you, but don't trick the person behind you. Right. Amen. Mm -hmm. Right. And don't just, we don't need to monetize everything that Mm -hmm. we do. Like we just, we don't. And, and this is the three who's money motivated saying this to y'all right now. Like we don't need to monetize it. And so that's not to say there's anything wrong with having educational offerings. Both Megan and I do, our businesses are built on educating others. We believe in that so deeply, 
but sometimes the monetization takes time. So mm-hmm. giving yourself that permission slip to take a step back before you go forward and yeah. make sure you really do feel like you have your ducks in a row to either use that term expert in your Instagram bio or start charging higher prices because you're calling yourself the expert in whatever. Um, just give yourself the time to determine if you really feel like you are. Yeah. I think we should wrap this episode up by reiterating the fact that I know me personally, I believe that if you have a gift, a talent or a strength or a skill, I believe in turning that into some sort of offer. I mean, literally my whole business is about helping people take what they know, love, do, and already have within them into what they can sell, right? Like that's my whole business. And so I just want to encourage you in the last moments of this episode, that if that's you and you have not been doing that thing, that skill that you've not been cultivating that talent for years, please hear us out when we say, we don't think that that means you can't create an offer. We don't think that means you can't start talking or sharing about that thing that you, that special thing that you have, do it, go for it. Just be honest, be honest in your copy, be honest in your product messaging, be honest when you show up on social media to say, Hey, this is my experience. This is how long I've been doing something. This is what I got as a result of this experience. And I think it could be really helpful for you. And I think that even if you're not the quote unquote expert, who's gotten a degree or whatever, whatever we want to claim is the metric for an expert, that's okay. And don't be discouraged because we all have to start somewhere, but honesty is always going to be the best policy. Absolutely. I mean, we're living proof that we believe in biz besties and competitors. Like it can happen. We believe in turning around and reaching out to the person behind you and reaching out to the people beside you. So I I hope that this just has sparked um, great conversations that like you can have with yourself and conversations that you can have with your biz bestie on like, what does this look like in your business with the offerings that you have in place or the educators and, you know, so-called experts experts that you're learning from. Um, and we're definitely here to even continue this conversation with you guys too. So reach out to us, um, individually if you want, and let's keep talking about it. All right, friends. It's been a fun yet a little bit nerve wracking one, (laughs) but we cannot wait to catch you in the next conversation.